the rich relationship of your pastors here at Fullness Christian Fellowship in one of our prayer clusters uh, that we sponsor with Mission Birmingham, and it's just been a real joy to get to know Bart and Larry and uh, Greg Rogers before him and Rich Fitch along the way. I wish I had a name like Rich Fitch. I mean, how could you go wrong with a name like that? Um, Andrea, thank you so much for your leadership here as well. Grateful for what you do. Thanks, thanks for this church. Uh, you have supported Mission Birmingham for a long time financially and through your prayers, and I'm excited about what God's going to do in the future as we work together to advance the kingdom uh, in our community, uh, because Birmingham is a, is a paradoxical city. We've got a city that's um, the most Bible-minded city in the United States, one of the most evangelistically oriented cities in the United States. We're high in philanthropy dollars that get donated um, across the city, and there are so many leaders um, that are Christ followers in significant positions of leadership in our community. So we're grateful for all of that, but paradoxically, we're one of the most violent cities in the United States. We have problems with education, we have problems with um, our economics, and there's a lot of poverty throughout the community. And sometimes I just scratch my head and try to figure that out. Why is it when the church is so significant in our community, we have so many great needs in our community? I just don't, I I can't figure that out because if we were mobilized and advancing the kingdom like we should as the church, we would be able to see the the values of the kingdom expressed in our community more effectively. And I think one of the problems with that is the fact that we are not united in our efforts um, as the church. We all stay in our little, in our little geography centers, we stay in our racial centers, we stay in our whatever divides us. And we, and we have yet to see somebody stand up and say, look, Jesus saves the church. He unites the church. He's put us all together. Let's work together so that we can make Birmingham a more livable community and reflect the kingdom of God. That's what, that's what the passion that drives my heart is, that the church would be able to see significant impact in our community and our culture. We do this by bringing leaders together to create partnerships and strategies that mobilize the church to advance the kingdom. We bring leaders together so that we can create partnerships and strategies to advance the kingdom in our community. And I'm grateful that Fullness Christian Fellowship is part of that with us, grateful for your support along the way. It's been interesting to see the different initiatives that God has birthed through us. Years ago, we, uh, we fostered and now support the, the Alliance of Hispanic Pastors of Metro Birmingham. We've seen lots of different prayer events, citywide prayer events, citywide mobilization. Uh, we received a million-dollar grant through ADECA. Jack, I saw that you're overseeing ADECA. We see, received a million-dollar grant to purchase foreclosed homes, refurbish them, and resell them to qualified home buyers in specific zip codes. We've just done a plethora of things that help our community realize Christ's kingdom coming and His will being done um, in Birmingham just like it is in heaven. I'm excited about the future. I'm personally making a transition uh, over the next few months from being mostly at the church where I lead worship to becoming uh, full-time with Mission Birmingham as the executive director. So I'm kind of in this journey myself, looking forward to spending more time in the city, connecting more people together, and seeing what God will do through us as an organization. 
I wanted to give you an update on just some, some really cool things that, are, that have either just happened or about to happen. We have developed a website that I would love for you to be a part of. It's called City on Its Knees. It's a website that's focused on providing information and prayer support to every one of the 90 municipalities in the Birmingham metro area. City on Its Knees is a wonderful place for you to go on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and just get information about how to pray effectively. Every mayor is listed on there, a history of, of every city, some things to pray for in that community, a passage of scripture, and then a prayer that's been loaded up. It's in a blog format so that you can load up your own prayer or your own comments. Um, the young lady who uh, organized the city on its knees is with us here today, Jennifer Weed. She leads my personal prayer team that supports us. By the way, I've got intercessors praying for us today. Uh, love to have you become part of uh, the intercessory team for Mission Birmingham. See me afterwards if you'd like to do that. We also have the Franklin Graham Festival that's coming up August 14 through 16. The Billy Graham Association uh, is coming to town, and they provide a lot of support and encouragement to unite the city. I'm on the leadership team for that event, but you'll look forward to seeing Christian Life and Witness courses through the Birmingham for the Billy Graham Association, some United Prayer events, and then August, we'll have Franklin Graham in town to come and speak for us, and you can invite your unsaved friends and neighbors to come and hear the gospel um, and receive Jesus Christ the Savior. We'll also work with the Greater Birmingham Mayor's Prayer Breakfast, which is an annual event that you'll want to t- take part in. One of the most exciting things that I'm part of now is coaching a group of online missionaries through global media outreach. Global Media Outreach is a, a website that is now seeing over a million people a day hit websites to find out more about the gospel and about Jesus Christ. And here in Birmingham, we've got 25 missionaries that on a daily basis connect with people to help disciple them to understand more about the gospel, and it's a wonderful opportunity. So I'm gathering on a monthly basis with those 25 online missionaries who are part of a 10,000-member online missionary team all around the world doing some significant things to see the gospel advanced um, internationally. Connected to that, we've also developed just, just this Uh, Just this month, we're beta testing a new app that will help connect evangelists to um, churches so that when somebody leads somebody to faith in Jesus Christ, they make a commitment, maybe it's the waitress that they sit down with um, at the restaurant that they're at, they can get just their name and um, their email address. It will connect them to global media outreach, but it also connects that new believer to a church local in town. So what we want to do is create these technology tools to help mobilize the church that can help people grow in Christ. Another thing that we're working on currently is called Serve My City, which is a way for people with the passion to serve, to be able to find a place where that can be lived out. Um, So if you have a passion for helping children learn how to read, the website will give you information about how to contact the Literacy Council or the Better Basics or other ways that you can connect Um, with whatever it is in your heart to do in our community. Uh, Last thing I want to tell you about is a a really cool website that we just developed over the last year called Pray Ephesians. I am committed to helping permeate Birmingham with prayer. Pray Ephesians is an opportunity for you to go to a website, learn how to pray scripture more effectively, 
The entire book of Ephesians is there on the website. All you have to do is put your mouse over a specific verse or a portion of a verse, and a dialogue box will pop up to tell you, to prompt you what to pray related to that passage. Usually it's focused this way. God, what are you saying to me about me, about, about you that I can worship you for? That's the upward focus, internally focused, is, God, what are you saying through this passage about me that I need to pray about? And then turning it outward so that you can say, God, what do you want me to say about somebody else in intercession so that I can become an effective prayer praying the book of Ephesians together? Mission Birmingham was launched at a prayer gathering. In 1998, 85 pastors and ministry leaders gathered at Shaco Springs to do nothing but pray together. No preaching, no teaching, uh, none of that. We just met to pray together. And God moved in significant ways, brought our hearts together, united us. We walked away with a covenant that we would maintain relationship with one another, that we would pray for the salvation and sanctification of our community, and that we would look to see the kingdom come and God's will be done in Birmingham just like it is in heaven. Since those days, it's been a significant opportunity for us as a united body of Christ to see that work being done effectively. But what I love about Mission Birmingham, it was a birth in prayer. I love the fact that you're in a 21-day period of prayer and fasting for your church and for your community. And today I wanted to speak to you about the prerequisites for powerful prayer. What does it take to be a powerful prayer? You know, you look around you and see these people that can connect with God in significant ways. You see prayer uh, leaders and prayer facilitators throughout our community. And you just wonder, what is it about them that makes them powerful prayers? What is it about men like Elijah, men like Moses, men like David in the Bible who were significant in their capacity to connect to the heart of God relationally and see him do significant things through what they said in prayer. Today, I wanted to give you an opportunity to walk with me through the book of Ephesians. Um, This will probably be the first sermon that you've ever come to church where a pastor preached an entire book in one setting. And I wanted to do a flyover. You know how the military jets fly over um, big coliseums and arenas at the beginning of games Well, today I wanted to give you that 30,000-foot look at what it might take to become a powerful prayer as it relates to the book of Ephesians. I was studying through this book um, several years ago, and it just dawned on me that nearly everything about the book of Ephesians is related to prayer. You know, that's what I love about Scripture. You can look at it through all different kinds of lenses and still come to the same basic conclusions. But, the, but when you look at the book of Ephesians through the lens of prayer, it's interesting to me that, the, that the very, one of the very last verses of the book of Ephesians says this. I want you to pray with all kinds of prayer at all times for all the people. Ephesians 6.18. It's like this entire huge book just culminates, keeps pointing and pointing and pointing toward this one passage at the very end of the book that says this, pray at all times with all kinds of prayer for all the people. And I thought, why is that verse there at the very end of this book? Could it be that everything else in this book points toward that one place? 
And as I began looking at the major sections of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 through 3, that talks about our position in Christ, as I looked at Ephesians 4, 5 through 5, 17, how it talks about how we live out that position that we have in Christ. And then it talks about family order and how God has ordained families to be able to function together and how it looks like when we talk about spiritual warfare, these large sections all have have significant impact as it relates to prayer. So today I wanted to show you how this works. I wanted to to just show you how the book of Ephesians is all pointing to the place where you can become an influencer in the very throne room of God through powerful prayer and the prerequisites that are required for you to be able to get there. Ephesians 1, chapter 1 through Ephesians chapter 3, that the, the focus of this passage, of this section of this book, is all about our position in Jesus Christ. It starts off this way, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He has put all things in subjection under his feet. He gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Aren't you grateful for Jesus Christ this morning? Jesus Christ, Son of God, came to earth, lived a life sinless, died, was buried. God raised him up and, and, and brought him back up to a seat in the heavenly places. And there he reigns. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who is the best at everything, the one who is first place in everything, the one who fills all in all the one who oversees all things, the one whose sovereignty reigns over everything. Jesus never gets tired. He never goes to sleep. He never wears out. He never gets second place in anything. Aren't you glad you know Jesus today? You talk about being able to connect with somebody who's the best at everything. Jesus Christ is that. God ordained that he would raise him up from the dead and put him at a seat beside his right hand and that he would reign there forever and ever and ever. It's amazing what God has done. It's amazing who Jesus Christ is. And we get to be in relationship with him through the word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit who's regenerated our lives and called us into a place where we can enjoy relationship with Jesus. Amazing. But what's amazing to me is the next thing that I want to say to you is, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, says this, Jesus has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, says it this way, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Amen? And raised us up with Christ. And seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. 
This book of Ephesians is amazing because it says these word, this phrase, in Christ, in the Lord, in him, 28 times. And here's the amazing fact. When God reached down and raised up Jesus Christ, guess who was with him? I was. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ like I have to save you, guess what happened to you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? When God reached down and raised up Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, if you trust him by faith, if you're saved, you were raised up with Christ to the heavenly places. It wasn't just Christ that got raised, it was you that got raised. But it doesn't stop there, it goes on. He didn't just raise you up, and put, he put you in the same seat as Jesus. You've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And there, you enjoy every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to this laundry list in Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3 of what you enjoy in every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus because you have a seat in the heavenly places. The fullness of God is in Christ and the fullness of Christ is in me. I've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. I've been predestined to adoption as sons. I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. I've attained an inheritance in Christ Jesus. I've been sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Christ Jesus, all of us who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why in the last part of Ephesians chapter 3, it says this. I want, I pray for you that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of what Jesus Christ has paid for and the position that you hold in your seat in the heavenly places with Christ. He also says this in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know three things, the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, and the surpassing greatness of his power. How is it that you can experience those kinds of things? It's because you've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places and Paul prays for the Ephesians believers and he goes, I want you to have your eyes opened so that you could see what this is all about. It's an amazing fact. And if you believe the Bible's true, I do, it's true today of you if you've trusted in Christ that you're now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It's amazing. Now, how does that relate to prayer? Let me show you this. I'm going to ask uh, Andrea and Kevin to come up, if you don't mind. I just wanted to illustrate what this is all about. God raised Jesus. He raised him up, seated him at his right hand. We're going to let Kevin today represent Jesus. I know that's a little far-fetched for some of you, especially for you, right? Okay. Kevin, you're Jesus today. That's big shoes to fill. I hope you're up for it. Fullness of God dwells in Christ. Fullness of Christ dwells in you. You're up for it, right? So, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, Andrea, 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 okay? 
Andrea, she's uh, far off. She's an enemy of God. She's way out there. But God loves her. And one day, Holy Spirit regenerates her life. She knows the truth. She says, I believe who Jesus is. And when God raised up Christ, he raised up Andrea. When God seated Christ in the heavenly places, he seated Andrea in the heavenly places with Christ. Andrea, I want you to sit right there on his lap. You guys all right? Need a little booth at the restaurant after church today? A little romantic, you know, anyway. All right, I want you to look at this now. Andrea represents you. Seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing, everything that Jesus has is hers. Co-heirs with Christ, right? It's all coming. And even more, it's not just coming, it's, a, it's available now. That's what you enjoy right there. Now, how does this relate to prayer? Take a look at that. How is it that right now, you, in that position, could ignore Jesus? How is it that you could be seated right there, day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment, and never turn your head and whisper in Jesus' ear? How is it that you could enjoy the richness of fellowship with Christ like that and never talk to him? How is it that we ignore the one on whose lap we sit? Let me turn that. Can you imagine how powerful you'll pray when you realize that that's your position? You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places right there. It's all yours. So all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is relate. All you have to do is connect and draw near. All you have to do is pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to see what this is all about. And that God would use us Just turn our head to the ear of Jesus and pray. Pray for our families. Pray for our church. Pray for us as individuals. Pray for our community. Pray for our nation and our world. And yet so often we walk through life and we miss the opportunities that this position affords us. So will you pray? Will you connect relationally with the Christ who died for you, the anointed one? Will you remember that you're seated with him in the heavenly places and enjoy the privileges that go along with that? It's powerful. And we can be powerful prayers as we understand what this is all about. Will you give these people a big round of applause? You want to stay there? Are you good? Okay. Worried about his leg. So that's our position in Christ. I call it this, that we would understand 
what it means to sit up with Jesus. Sit up with Jesus. Second, big section of the book of Ephesians. Because of this position that we hold, because of this concept that we are now risen with Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 4 turns a corner and he says this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Ephesians 4, 1, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What, you've been, what have you been called to? You've been called to a position of honor. You've been called to a seat. You've been called to a place where you're in relationship with the king of everything. Ephesians 4, 1. Live up to the calling. I want you to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called in Christ Jesus. Now, what's that calling all about? I like to communicate it this way. I think the essence of the Christian walk is becoming what I already am. The essence of the Christian walk, the sanctification process is this, becoming what I already am. When you got raised with Christ, seated in this heavenly places, everything's yours. Now, my responsibility, because I get to sit up, I should live up to that calling. He says it this way in Ephesians 4, 2 to 4, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, this huge grocery list of things that are expected of us. Ephesians 4, later on, in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, do these things. Quit lying to one another. Speak the truth. Don't be angry. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't steal from each other anymore. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Let bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit and be kind to one another. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you, forgive others. Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as beloved children. Don't let immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you. Quit saying filthy things, silly talk, coarse jesting, bad jokes, which are not fitting but rather a giving of thanks. And walk as children of light trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Be careful how you walk. Don't be drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Sing and speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Give thanks for everything. This incredible laundry list of things that we're required to do because of the position that we hold. If we want to live up to this, we have to be walking in holiness and purity before the Lord. If we expect to be a powerful prayer. It's not all about relationship, although that's the foundation piece of it. Responsibility is mine to walk in holiness and purity before him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living through Jesus Christ so that he gives me his grace to be successful in the things that he's called me to do. He's the one who raised me up 
and put me in this position. Then he gives me all the tools to, be, to say to me, now I need you to live up to the expectations that I have for you. Now, how does this relate to prayer? Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, finish it, the Lord will not hear. If you're not living up to the calling in Christ Jesus, God's not listening. If you're not living up to the calling you have in Christ Jesus, God's not hearing you. And sometimes we wonder why it feels like the ceiling is brass and why I keep saying these things and I'm trying to be disciplined in my prayer life and nothing's happening. I, don't, I feel like I'm talking to nobody. That's the time when we need to get out Ephesians chapter 4 through 5.17 and look at the list and go, God, would you point out specific ways that I have offended you where you need to clean me up? Because if you regard iniquity in your heart, Lord will not hear. He also says this in the book of James, chapter 5, speaking about a very effective intercessor. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you're not righteous and you're just doing a lot of praying, it's not going to avail much. I looked at the original language and I did some translation on my own that kind of just helps me understand this passage. And it says this, literally, the active, boiling, begging of an innocent person is forceful and large. You want to be effective in the heavenly places? Live righteously. Live up to the calling that you have in Christ Jesus. Become what you already are. The next big section of the book of Ephesians talks all about family order. This is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of us. We struggle in this in a lot of ways. And he addresses four different groups of people. Husbands, wives, children, masters, and then he talks about slaves as well. But I wanted to hit today on this thing about family order. Book of Ephesians, in the end of chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6, he says these things. Husbands, I want you to lead and I want you to love. You're the head of your wife and I want you to love her like Jesus loves the church. Husbands, can you do that? That's a, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Love like Jesus loves the church. Two things for husbands. Lead, love. Two things for wives. And I'm glad the Bible says this, and I didn't make this up, because this doesn't go over real well most times. Wives, submit, put yourself under, and respect. Two things for wives. Submit respect. Two things for children. Obey and honor. Obey is about actions. Honor, about attitude. He addresses both. 
Two things for husbands, lead in love. Two things for wives, submit, respect. Two things for kids, obey, honor. Can I get your family back up here for one more little illustration? I want to show you how this works. So, Kevin, he wants to be like Jesus. We'll go up right up here. He's uh, committed to understanding more about Christ. He's following him, submitted to the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. He knows his position in Christ. He wants to live up to that. God's doing a work in his heart. Submitted, available, seeking God in prayer, leading his family. Andrea, because she sees what Scripture's all about, she goes, I want to follow I want to submit. I want to respect. I want to do what Paul told the Ephesian wives to do through the Holy Spirit. God has ordained that marriage works this way. If Kevin moves, guess what Andrea does? She moves behind him. He goes, we're going this direction. Heard from the Lord, walking with him. She walks right behind him, follows him in all that she does. Children? Obey, honor, right behind him, behind mom and dad, behind the parents. And this is the way godly families work. I wish you people could see it from the front because it's more effective on on the front side. So if dad goes over here, guess where the family goes? Right up behind him. He leads. It's his God-given responsibility. Now, what happens if dad gets off the rails, gets out of, off the track. He sees himself as just an independent agent, and it doesn't really matter what happens behind him. Stops walking with the Lord, gets out of relationship with the Lord, following his own pathway. He steps out over here, the rest of the family still connected, trying to follow God. You see what happens When dad gets out of the way, dad's role is what? To lead and to love. He's also been given the responsibility of providing spiritual protection for his family. So who's most vulnerable when dad gets out of line? The family is. All right, so Kevin repents. Whew, aren't you glad? (laughs) Brought back in order Goes to his family, says, I'm just not walking with God like I need to. I'm going to get back where I've got to go. His discipleship group is giving him accountability. He's talked to the pastor and the elders at his church. He goes, I'm getting this right. Along the way, years later, Andrea goes, Whoo, I'm not following him anymore. She gets off track. She goes, I don't follow all that stuff anymore. Ephesians, what? Am I supposed to submit respect? That just doesn't sound good. Now, parenthetically, let me say this. Scripture is all put together, birthed, born by the Holy Spirit. I've always wondered why Ephesians 6 follows Ephesians 5. You know what Ephesians 6 is all about? Warfare. The enemy. I believe this. When people step out of order... They become vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. If this were happening the right way, 
Andrea would not be out of order, the Holy Spirit filling Kevin would be able to, Kevin would be able to protect from the onslaught of the enemy effectively if he were walking with the Lord, understanding his position, living up to that, doing the things that God's called him to do. I believe that what happens in families is when we get out of order, Satan has a heyday. So, the devil, looking at all this, goes, oh, another one, out of order. He comes out here, pulls back on the bow of spiritual warfare, looks at Kevin. He's walking with the Lord, can't touch him. But look at Andrea, (laughs) fresh meat, unprotected. Shoots the arrow, and it just goes and boom, knocks her upside the head. She goes, what in the world was that? I didn't deserve that. I'm just going my own way. And the enemy has his effect in her life, and God uses the enemy to put us back in the right place. So this is happening to Andrea. She goes, I'm under attack. I've got to get back in the Word. I need the Holy Spirit because where I am doesn't feel so good right now. So she repents, confesses her sins, gets back with, uh, in the right place with Kevin, goes back to get in the right family order. Kids, oh my goodness. You know this is true. They go, I don't know about this church thing. I'm just tired of all that. I don't want to follow my parents. They make me come home at midnight, and I want to be out late. I'd rather do whatever it is. I'm going to go have fun with my friends. I don't care about my parents anymore. And they keep stepping out, stepping out, stepping out, stepping out. And Satan keeps smiling bigger and bigger. And he sets up. He looks over there at Kevin, walking with the Lord, Andrea, following her husband effectively, looks over here and goes, oh, my goodness. She goes, bam, 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 drugs, alcohol, all the other stuff that kids get into. She goes, man, that hurts. But because kids are the way they are, she goes, I'm not going back. I'm going to keep moving out. <laughs> Finally, when the enemy attacks so strongly and she comes to the end of herself, like the prodigal son, what did he do? He turned. He repented. Got back in. Went back. Came running back to dad. And put himself in a position to say, look, I don't even deserve to be your son. Just make me one of your slaves because that's even better than being out there in the pigsty. She gets back in order and walks with Christ the right way. Isn't that a powerful picture of family order the way God has ordained it? Would you give these people a big round of applause? Now, you're going, wait a minute, I thought this was a message about prayer, and here you all are in my business and stuff. Let me remind you of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, 
you husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. There is a reason why family order is the way it is. There is a reason why God has ordained that men lead and love their wives. There is a reason why wives submit and respect. And there is a reason why children obey and honor. And it's set up in this principle of 1 Peter chapter 3. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Why? So that, so that your prayers won't be hindered. There is an impact when families get out of line to our prayers. And the way to become a powerful prayer, get your family in order. Because you don't want your prayers to be hindered. Literally, the word means to chop. It means just to stop. You talk about ceiling like brass. When things are out of order, the ceiling's like brass. And the way to get back is to get your family life in order. And then, the last big section. We've been through sit up, live up, line up. Last big section is this, suit up. You're in a battle. You are. Battle's not against flesh and blood. Against powers, principalities, forces of darkness in this world. Now, how do you fight? You suit up. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt, loins girt about with truth, gospel of peace, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, shield of faith. You know, most times when we hear this passage preached, we get a lesson on Roman armor rather than what these things are all about. But it is about salvation. It is about righteousness. It is about truth. It is about peace. It is about faith. It is about the Word of God and the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who comes and engages us with us in the battle. You want to pray effectively? Remember, you're in a war. You know, Satan hates you. He does. He hates everything you're about if you're walking with Christ. If you're one of these people who sit up in the heavenly places, he hates you. He is against you. He is against the church. He doesn't want anything to work right. He messes up everything. And you're in a battle. And the way to win the battle is this. Suit up. Put it on. Salvation. Righteousness. Truth. Peace. Faith. Sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. All of it. How do you suit up? You suit up through prayer. How do you receive righteousness? How do you receive faith? How do you receive peace? How do you receive all of the things that he's told you to put on? It happened right here in this seat in the heavenly places. So when you turn 
and you talk in the ear of Jesus and you say, I need you right now. This doesn't feel good and I'm in a battle and I don't know what to do. And Jesus, the great intercessor, turns back to you and says, this is the way to go. I've been there. I've done all of that. I've endured more temptation. I've endured more battle than you'll ever receive. I know what this is about. The great high priest gone before into the heavenly places, tempted in every way like we are. He's been in, in battle with Satan himself. And he knows. And he's given you every tool that you need to win. Trust him. And you get there through prayer. It's a spiritual download. You talk to him, he talks to you. How do I need to handle this? He's going to tell you. What do I need to do? He's going to tell you. How do I need to win? He's going to tell you. So walk with him by faith and listen. So we sit up, we live up, we line up, we suit up. And then lastly, Ephesians 6.18, we talked about it at the beginning. Pray. When? All the time. How? All kinds of prayer. For who? All the people. Pray. Just pray. Like that old Nike slogan, just do it. And it shouldn't be drudgery. Why? Because you're sitting in an incredible seated position with Christ. It's about relationship. So pray up. So what are you struggling with today? You're going, wow, God, you've really opened my eyes to see what's available to me in my seat in the heavenly places. And Lord, as we've looked at your word today, you've pointed out some specific areas where I'm failing And I need to confess, and I need to live up to what you've called me to do. Maybe you're sitting here, and your marriage is struggling. You realize today, I'm not lined up like I need to be. I am vulnerable with the way I'm living my life. Dad, you may be way out of line, and you realize today, ooh, my family is very vulnerable right now. Because of what I'm doing. Wives, you may step out and you go, Ooh, I am just not following him. You're vulnerable. Kids, children, you're not honoring, you're not obeying, doing your own thing, got that hard heart toward your parents. You're vulnerable. And then some of us, we're in a battle. And uh, maybe in some ways today, you're going, man, I am just getting it. It's coming strong. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm getting beat up. When you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, you win because Jesus wins. You're not alone. You're connected to him. Jesus wins every time. Let's pray together. So God, would you, would you speak to us today? Would you let the Word and the Spirit do their work in my heart? 
God, would you open my eyes, enlighten my eyes to see the position that I hold in you? Would you help me to live up to that calling? Would you put my family back in order? Would you remind me about the victory that I have in Jesus Christ? God, would you use me in days ahead to be a powerful prayer? For all the people, with all kinds of prayer, praying all the time, God, remind me, remind me about that wonderful privilege, powerful prayer. Would you stand together, please? I just believe that as we end this time that where we're speaking about prayer, that we should just pray. Um, I'm just going to alter, open up the altars and Let's sing together, team, if you would. And just, if you want to come and maybe there's a specific thing that God spoke to you about this morning. You'd want them, some of the ministry team to pray with you or maybe you'd want to pray by yourself. Maybe you have um, a sin issue, habitual sin that keeps you from connecting effectively with the Father through Jesus. Maybe it's a family issue. You've, you know you're out of line. You need God to put your family back together the right way. Maybe you're just struggling in battle. You're just weary from getting beat up. And you just need the Spirit of God to come, just refresh your soul and teach you how to engage more effectively to walk in the victory of Jesus. As we sing, if you'd like to come and receive some ministry or just pray by yourself, just allow God to work in our hearts together and watch what God will do through us as the church of Jesus Christ to advance his kingdom in our community as we walk with him in this way. So God, use this time. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, do your work in us. We need you. Fine.